Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franzen. What's up, Remarkables? It's Dr. Stephen Franzen here for another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. And this is part two in an awesome conversation that I'm having with my fractional CFO and you. So uh, I'm happy to uh, reintroduce Bob Siegel. I almost called you Dr. Bob Siegel. Bob, say hi to everybody. Hi. Yeah, feel free to call me doctor. I, that, that's, <laughs> that'd be a new one. That'd be a first. So. <laughs> He's the money doctor. He's the number doctor, <laughs> right? So and we, we love that as chiropractors because... For the most of us, you know, we uh, we got into this business to take great care of people. And about, you know, halfway through school, we figured out, holy crap, we actually have to be entrepreneurs and business owners. And we've got to figure out how to run a business too, right? So uh, in those first couple of years, when you're trying to get your head and your hands around being a chiropractor, being a doctor, starting to put together teams and building a business, marketing, and the numbers, man, very often fall to the wayside. Uh, but as we mature as business people, what we recognize is to really make the most impact to really have a remarkable practice, we have to have a data-driven business, right? So in order to be a really profitable business that makes the biggest impact possible, we've got to be one part gut, two parts data, right? And that was a learning experience for me and I'm sure for a lot of our listeners because you know we've got good instincts, we've got a good gut, right? So and when you're functioning purely as an opera owner operator, you can get away with that for a while, right? But eventually, as you start to grow and build a team around you, start adding associate doctors and really start going into scale, especially if you're positioning yourself one day to make a graceful and profitable exit, you absolutely have to be one part gut, two parts data. So Bob, I'm so psyched to have the second half of this conversation around the strategic reports associated with your finances. So you and I have been, you know, hard at work in the behind the scenes building out our remarkable money program, which will be the perfect complement to the Vital Signs Performance Metrics program, right? So instead of looking at the performance metrics of the practice, like how many patients did you see, new ones, conversion rates, stick rates, collection visit average, patient visit average, case average, etc., we're now looking at the flip side of the story, which is the financial picture, right? So ultimately, that's what this conversation is about. Is gaining financial fluency, right? Having a literacy so that when you're looking at the numbers, the numbers, the, the metrics, if you will, become the matrix, right? They start telling you the story of the business. So if you did not hear the first part of this conversation, make sure you go back and listen to the last episode. And if you're a numbers guy like I am now, you can watch it on YouTube uh, so that you can watch us walk through. We actually have Bob's prepared a PowerPoint to keep everybody's sanity so they can walk walk through these numbers and do it with the the visual cues of a PowerPoint. So Bob, thanks so much, man. Let's jump back into it. What are we looking cool. at here? In the last episode, I guess, uh, you know, we talked about the strategic income statement and the components that make up that strategic in income statement, which is the top line revenue. We subtract from that the cost of services delivered to give us a gross profit. Which is, which is the profit we generate on the services we delivered. As we said, we want to make sure that 
in a chiropractic office, that's a, a kind of a 70 to 80% of, of our revenue goes to our gross profit. Uh, and then we talked about all the other costs associated with running the business, which are, which is our operating expense, our OPEX, uh, that we wanted to be 60 to 70% of revenue. And from that, uh, we, we subtract the OPEX from our gross profit, and that gives us our, inf- our income before we pay the tax man. Uh, once we pay the tax man, we, we can then, we, we have what's available for distribution. That's right. Uh, if so, I could recap just that uh, on that last slide, I, I want to talk a little bit about direct and indirect costs. So for everybody who um, just needs the review as much as um, I do, the direct cost means what are, what are the direct costs of delivering that million dollars worth of healthcare? So as we're using this example of a seven-figure business, this is a million-dollar practice, a million-dollar in top-line revenue or a million dollars in collections. It costs us $250,000 to deliver those services. In other words, if you're the owner operator, it's you getting paid as a chiropractor. It's your associate doctor getting paid as a chiropractor. It's your tech CA who's involved in the delivery of the care, whether that's doing the exam, taking x-rays, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's transactions costs, like the credit card costs associated with that. And it's the consumables. If you're selling probiotics, you had to buy those probiotics to sell them at a profit, right? So all in all, it costs you 250K to make that million dollars, right? So that's where that 25% plays out. Uh, and then that's our gross profit. And from there, there's other indirect costs that are supportive costs. It's, there's a lot of support going on around the actual delivery of the healthcare and the costs of goods so- sold and the costs of services delivered. And those are the operating expenses or OPEX. That's where that 60 to 70% shows up, right? That's all the supportive staff, training, marketing, your insurance, your rent, et cetera, right? That's all OPEX, right? So and that's a 60 to 70% of your top line revenue or collections. And that leaves in the end, the income, right? That's going to get taxed, right? So, and there's going to be 10 to 20% uh, of the revenue and it's going to, and it's landing us here. We, we got that million bucks, Bob, down to $130,000, yeah. which as you said, Hey, that ain't bad. That's a 13% return in this example for that, you know, for the monies, you know, that, that business is going to be paying you. You're seeing that 13% return coming out the end after you've been paid your salary as the CEO, you've been paid your salary as the clinic director, you've been paid your salary as an adjusting doctor. And you're also, you know, at this point, you know, you're, we're going to talk about distributions. We're going to talk about um, ad backs through the business, et cetera, to get us to finally where we're going to lend today, which is seller's discretionary earnings, which is what does your business actually pay you as the owner, you want to start with that number so you know, you know exactly is the juice worth the squeeze, the brain damage associated with owning a business. Exactly how much does this business pay me and my family for the privilege of owning a chiropractic business? Yeah, yeah. And so, just one other word on OPEX. You know, we're going to now dive into the components of that to to look at kind of where we see the chiropractic office, how much they should be spending on each piece of, of OPEX, but really the right word is investing because a lot of the money you're spending there is helping you, it's, it's leverage, it's helping you support or drive that top line revenue. So, you know, I'm going to just jump right in and break it down into some of the components. So the very first component we're talking about is training and development. We're, we're saying you should be investing eight to 12% of revenue in, in training and development because 
you know, that, and that is truly an investment because, you know, the more capable your people are, the, the more they're going to add to this business, whether it's driving revenue, becoming more efficient, introducing, you know, new ideas to drive revenue or become more efficient. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an investment and it's an indirect cost. You know, you have to, you know, spend money on that. And, and, you know, one of the things I know I've gotten some reaction on training and development, you know, 10%, that's a, that's a big number on a million dollar business, a hundred thousand dollars. But it's not all just direct costs. I'm, uh, you know, I'm spending, a hundred thousand dollars on coaching. On, I'm on, on coaching yeah. seminars. Or yeah. Happy, right. Yeah. You know, there's other aspects though. It's the time people spend. So even if they're still in the office, but if you're investing, you know, two hours in training somebody and, you know, you have somebody training them in, you know, so you have two people, you know, what is the cost of, of, of that time? That's an investment you know, that you're already paying this salary. It's not additional money out the door, but it's time. And, and that's a, a big concept I think we'll get into as we go through all these categories of the office. Yeah, Bob, let me speak into that a little bit. And, we, you know, we hear this, you know, the marketing is the same thing, right? So when you're talking about training and developing of yourself and your team, your people and marketing your business, right? So these are the things that we're choosing to invest to actually grow the business. This is what drives the business and grows the business. And people will have a hard time putting their head around even how do I get to 10% of top line revenue goal in marketing? And they're used to spending, they're thinking about spending money in marketing and investing that money to grow, right? So at the end of the day, you know, whatever, you know, if we're talking about marketing, you have to pay for your marketing director or you pay for your marketing manager or you pay for contracted marketing experts, whether it's your it's your website developer, your SEO guy, your Facebook, your ads guy, right? So you, somebody running your email marketing campaigns, right? So the, your gifting program, right? So any external marketing events that you do, uh, dinner talks and, you know, all the, you know, billboards and radio and television and print advertising. It's like, like there's so much you do, but it, anybody that's involved in marketing as well, there's labor costs associated with that. You know, so you go do spinal screenings or corporate wellness or dinner talks, you're, you're paying somebody to be there, right? So there's labor associated with that in addition to the marketing director. So all of those things fall underneath your marketing budget. Same thing when it comes to training and developing. When training and development is like, you've got to be thinking about like, yes, there's coaching fees. Yes, there's seminar fees, but there's also hotel fees, airline tickets, right? So dinners that you're, that you, you know, you otherwise would not be spending that money if you weren't traveling, training your team, right? So the labor associated with when you're training in your practice, everybody knows in a remarkable practice, we train like lives depend on it, right? So we say that we see patients between trainings, which implies that you are consistently and regularly blocking time to train your people. So let's say two hours a week. So if you have five people at 20 bucks an hour, two hours a week, you're training, you're paying somebody to train them. You're paying these people to be there, to be trained. This all adds up. What I'm trying to get everybody to recognize and wrap your head around is all of that is costing money. It's all built into your costs. So you want to be allocating eight to 12% of your top line revenue and say, this is in investing and developing myself and my people including your doctors, your office managers, CAs, et cetera. Bob, this is a critically important part of running a business from a strategic perspective. I know I want to grow. So I'm budgeting eight to 12% of where I want to land top line revenue goal, right? So it's right. even more than that uh, for both training and developing and marketing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, 
I, we talked about, uh, I, I like your line, everybody exits the business at some point, right? Death, taxes, and exit, I guess is how you say it. <laughs> Death, um, taxes, and exiting. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, it, so when you're thinking about increasing the value of the business, training is huge because it, I, I think most chiropractic offices, the owner is deeply immersed in operations, either doing adjustments operating as the CEO, operating and marketing, and nobody wants to buy the business and all of a sudden, hey, uh, Dr. John, you don't come with this? Uh, I don't understand. Nobody wants to buy your job, Bob. Right. (laughs) Who's who's doing your marketing? Who's doing the? And so, you know, part of the training is you need to develop an infrastructure or or a team that that actually is doing that. um, Sounds a lot like systems and team building and scalability and durability, Bob. I love it. You're speaking our love language. Hey doc, let's face it. 95% of your problems are people problems. Can't find a players, can't keep a players, don't know how to leverage your team, create expectations and agreements, or hold people accountable in order to optimize your team. Doc, what would happen to your practice if you were finally able to get the right people in the right seats, doing the right work the right way? For most chiropractors, it would change everything. You'd increase your capacity to see more people. You'd make a bigger impact and a bigger income. You'd be able to delegate and scale your business. Or maybe you need to get your associate doctor relationship dialed in. That would mean you getting your time freedom back. You could get a handle on your schedule, maybe even become a CEO. If this is what you want your 2023 to sound like, make sure that you join us for the remarkable team building immersion in Dallas, Texas, February 4th and 5th, or in Brisbane, Australia, February 24th and 25th. Man, I'm psyched to be back in Australia. Doc, bring your team with you. Get everyone on the same page. They'll be back in your office on Monday with more clarity, accountability, and purpose than ever before energize and mobilize your team and see your practice grow. What are your goals for 2023, Doc? Is it a seven-figure foundation or a seven-figure revenue or seven-figure profit or maybe even a seven-figure exit? Regardless of what season you're in, you'll need a seven-figure team. Click the link in the show notes and register today. So hugely important training. uh, Stephen talked about marketing. Again, same level of, of investment, uh, yep. you know, that eight to 12%. And then, you know, you have a whole back office staff to support this business. Um, the front desk, you have an office manager, you know, a, a clinic director, you know, a lot of times, you know, or, or CEO, a lot of times it is, it is you, the owner of the business wearing some of this hats, but, you know, you're paying yourself a salary, you know, Let, let's talk about that, Bob, because because, you know, what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to represent truth, that, like a true representation of your business. How profitable is your business? Now, imagine if Bob and I rocked into your practice and we tried to buy your business. You know that this is how we're going to audit your business because I don't want to buy a job. I want to buy a business and I'm going to look and I'll be like, OK, so who runs the place? Oh, I run the place. So you're the clinic director. You're the CEO. Right. So there's a salary there. Right. And then there's a is there an office manager? Great. Well, it's my wife. Well, does she come with the deal? No, she didn't come with the deal. It's like, okay, so I need an office manager, right? So this 60 to 80 grand there in a million dollar practice, right? Or if it's a COO, it might be more than that, 80 to 100 grand, right? So then you've got your front desk, your to let's call it two CAs, right? So this adds up quick, but I want to make sure docs, you're hearing, owners, you're hearing right now that that 
salary that's allocated for clinic director, let's call it 100K, that's your salary. You're just accounting for it on your accountability chart, right? So you're saying, okay, so I'm accounting for the fact that I have this job, I own the business, there's an accountability chart for this business. All those positions on the accountability charts are jobs. So you own jobs inside of the business you own, right? So, and that job of clinic director pays you 100K, right? So that's an indirect cost for delivering this healthcare. So just so you want to account for that. So, that. so that's your first 100K in your back pocket, right? So, and then when we talk about direct costs, those, you know, direct costs are associated with delivering the healthcare, right? So that was captured in costs of services delivered, and we're going to get to that in a minute, Bob, but you know, you might be the CEO and one of the adjusting doctors. Great. We're going to pay you as an adjusting doctor as well. So that's going to be another hundred K, so to speak, in your back pocket. Yeah. Do we, do we want to jump to that right now? That might be. A uh, good... Yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. So, you know, again, we're, we're trying to make this as practical, I guess, as possible. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, the, the question is, you know, how much should I be paying in salary and payroll in this business? And and, you know, we came up with a range of, you know, 40 to 60% that's broken down between the direct labor, the, the, the cost of, of providing the care and indirect labor, which is, you know, supporting that. And basically 20 to 30% of revenue should be going towards your direct labor, 20, 30% going towards indirect labor. And, you know, one person, I think the best example is, is the owner operator you know, who does adjusting, we, a part of their salary should be allocated towards direct. And then where are you spending the rest of your time? Well, it's an indirect labor is, you know, marketing CEO, maybe you're doing the books. I don't know. You know, so. In this example for direct labor, we have, it's a million dollar practice. So typically a million dollar practice has got two doctors, right? It's very commonly, it's an owner operator guys. That term means you're the owner and you're operating as a chiropractor, right? So the owner operator. So you've got an owner operator DC, who's probably also the clinic director, right? And you've got an associate doctor. That's super common, right? So you know, let's just for sanity sake, we're doing nice round numbers. Let's say you pay your associate doctor hundred K at a million dollar practice. You should definitely be in the six figures. You'd probably be higher than that. And then you're going to pay yourself as if you were paying the, uh, an associate doctor to replace you, call it another hundred K. Right. So now we have 100K for you as an adjusting doctor, 100K for your associate doctor, and then another 30K for the tech CA that's supporting you. So the direct cost there when it comes to payroll cost is 230K. Right. And then as you see down below, the clinic director rolls at 100K. So now you're 100 for an adjusting doctor for you as an adjusting doctor, 100 for you as the clinic director. So now you're at 200K. Right. As the owner operator who plays the role of CEO clinic director and adjusting doctor, right? Then you get your office manager, uh, 60 to 80,000 front desk, 30,000 bucks a piece. And we're at another 240. So you guys can see how we're breaking down that million dollars. Like how does it distribute? And the ranges that Bob has set here on the side is for your heuristic, a construct for you to operate under to just, just to give it the sniff test saying, am I within the parameters of what they're designing here? Direct labor cost, 20 to 30% of revenue indirect is 20 to 30%, which brings us a total payroll cost of 40 to 60% of revenue of top line revenue or collections. Right. And I, and I would say that is the one number everybody is really attuned to is whether you pay a weekly or biweekly payroll, you know, how much is my payroll, you know, cause that's, I got to cover payroll this week. I got to cover, you know, knowing kind of, 
hey, I'm a million dollar business. You know, I'm paying a weekly payroll. You know, I need nine, ten thousand dollars put aside for payroll every week is, you know, it's it's I'm not going to call it a key metric, but it, it's certainly a number everybody's always tuned to because absolutely you, you always always got to cover your payroll. So absolutely. Um, so I, I thought that was uh, I'm glad we jumped to that as we were yeah. talking about. The, and we captured some of those other related expenses there as well. The office of facility is eight to 12% of revenue. Yeah. So that's your rent, utilities, maintenance costs, office costs, yeah. like software supplies, et cetera. So that's eight to 12% of top line revenue. All of these are against top line revenue guys. So we just wanted to keep the math simple for you. So other is three to 5% of revenue. And that's going to be a catch all for things like insurance and dues and legal interest, postage, license, so we've accounted for all of these elements and given you these ranges to make sure that, again, you've got constructs to operate under when it comes to your own budgeting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, what I've seen looking at, you know, kind of a, the whole um, soup to nuts of different size practices. The gamut. You know, yeah. From small, yeah, the medium gamut, to large. Yeah. yeah. You know, typically I see the, the facilities, office facilities char, um, percentage is, is higher in the smaller practice. You know, they have all this additional capacity that they haven't kind of realized yet. But one of the dynamics I thought was interesting, I think we talked about the other day is, you know, marketing. It's, I've seen the smaller practices, you know, are are spending a higher percentage on, on marketing. And, you know, I think that's a little bit has to do with, you know, maybe some leverage points you get as you, as you grow whatnot, or maybe, maybe the logic, these, um, these practices are two, need to invest more. These are two, three critically important points that you just yeah. made. So let's not glaze over them, right? So the idea of like economies of scale, like as you know, if you look at a quote unquote small practice, meaning you're in 1,200 to 1,500 square feet, small meaning you're at 100 visits a week, let's call it, versus that same exact building, right? Let's just call it 1,500 square feet. And that person seeing 600 patients a week, guess what? You both have one rent. You both have one sign. You both have one x-ray unit. You both have one fill in the blank, right? So the electric, you know, essentially the electrical bills are the same, the plumbing bills are the same. It's just like, you got to recognize that, you know, the, as you grow the business, the economies of scale kick in and the profitability. So it's now relative to the cost of, you know, the, the cost of your facility relative to your top line revenue, it becomes more expensive as you get, as, as you're smaller, it gets less expensive as you get bigger. And then you've made up that point around, in, in other words, it's more profitable, right? So that seems like, you know, no kidding, but you have to say it, right? So as, as at the end of the day, we have this incredibly profit. We, we are, chiropractic is a potentially incredibly profitable business, isn't it, Bob? Right. So it's potentially an incredibly profitable business. It's so sexy. God is good. Right. So he knows we're taking good care of his people. He takes good care of us. If you optimize your business, it's incredibly profitable. Right. So for those bigger businesses, as you said, meaning they've got a larger tap or total active patients, a lot of the larger patient base, they see more referrals right? There's more opportunities for them to do external activities because people invite them to come and speak or be at their business or their gym or whatever, versus the smaller business who find themselves grinding, trying to get that inertia, overcome the inertia of not having those bodies in play. So relative to the larger practices, they're spending more relative to the larger practices, which just tells me to put my foot in the ass of those bigger practices and say, Hey, you've got lots of margin there. Let's yeah. invest and let's serve our purpose and reach yeah. more people. Yeah. hundred percent. 
so just the let's just move to kind of the last concept that that we teased at the beginning about the, the idea of what is the owner's comp? What's that, the the seller's discretionary earnings? I, I I love that term. And you know, so we've we've gone through the financials and during the conversation, we talked about all these different elements. We talked about the salary that the chiropractor is, is taking out of the business uh, for their role as, whether it's as a, an adjusting doc, whether it's a CEO, marketing, whatever, visionary, whatever, whatever role they're playing. Um, and we talked about in this, two, this million dollar business, that would be, you know, about uh, 200 Two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, about a hundred for the CEO slash clinic director, and then about a hundred a hundred thousand as a adjusting yeah. chiropractor, right? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. then you, as the owner, get distributions. You get a return on your investment in this business. You you took on the risk. You get the rewards, and you end up with a distribution. So we said, you know, pre tax profit of a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I think was the number. So now you've you're up to $330,000 in, in total income. Earnings, yep. Total earnings, uh, sorry. And then the last piece is, hey, you know, let's uh, take advantage of the fact that, you know, I am running a business and, and I, I can take care of some of my personal, personal business, you know, within the business. So, you know, I think, you know- Yeah, you're paying health insurance, you pay your car, you pay yeah. your- your cell phone, right? That yeah. ream of paper that you need for yeah. the home office, right? So, yeah. you know, and, and we're not talking about monkey business guys. We're talking about the reality is, is there are addbacks, like you run costs through the business, right? So right. you're right, Bob, it's these three things that add together that get us what's called seller's discretionary earnings, right? So it's also, you'll hear owner's discretionary earnings, ODE, right? So it becomes seller's discretionary earnings and becomes very real when you go to exit the business, right? Because that's the number that they're going to multiply some sales multiple times SDE or seller's discretionary earnings, which ultimately says this is the asset value of this business, right? So some multiple times SDE, SDE is really how much does this business pay me how much does this cash flow to me as the owner of the business? Once again, just to recap, Bob, it's the salary, it's the you're getting salaries for the jobs that you do in the business. In this example, it was I'm the clinic director, I get paid 100 grand. I'm an adjusting doctor, I get paid another 100 grand, that's 200 grand. I get distributions of profit based on my equity, and I own 100% as the owner, let's say in this example, right? So I get distributions of profit plus whatever ad backs I'm running through the business. All those three add together, and that is the juice that comes out of this squeeze, right? So at the end of the day, hey, we're all business owners. We all understand there's a big squeeze here, right? So in, and what you'll hopefully see if you run these numbers properly and you optimize your business, that the juice is definitely worth the squeeze. Bob, I appreciate you so much for helping us put this together. I so look forward to uh, the release of the Remarkable Money Program. Uh, that's, uh, that's coming down the pike because we know so, so many of our chiropractors are, you know, they came out of the gates, you know, brilliant clinicians, hopeless business people. We've been on this journey together to become remarkable CEOs so we can run remarkable businesses, which are data-driven businesses. Man, we so appreciate you, man. Thanks for all your help. All right. A pleasure to uh, participate. Thanks for inviting me. Bob Siegel, my fractional CFO. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Please stick around for more business insights from this week's bonus interview with our remarkable success partner dedicated to helping you more successfully help 
more people. Enjoy. All right, Remarkable CEOs. So as promised, I am here today in the studio with one of the greats in our chiropractic profession. I can say this because I have been following uh, Bill, you and your work since before I even was a chiropractor, when I was working as a chiropractic assistant in a chiropractic office. Before I even went to chiropractic school, I I learned about you and the work that you were doing. And uh, you have had a huge impact on my life in two decades that I've been in this profession. You have been here longer and you've been serving this great profession. So I can't tell you how honored I am to be able to interview you today and just pick your brain. I know you're a CEO. I know you're a leader and innovator. You are a thought leader and you are advancing, help advance the chiropractic profession. You've done that for a long time. So truly honored to have you join me uh, here today on our Remarkable CEO podcast. So Bill, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with me here today. Thank you. It's going to be a delight. I can hardly wait to see what uh, unfolds. Well, I'd love for you to unpack a little bit about your story. So, you know, I would assume everybody knows you, but I, you know how, what assuming does. So I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about who you are, your Genesis story, you know, how you got into chiropractic and really how then you've got into doing some of the work you're doing now. And then we'll probably press fast forward and we'll go into specifically what's happening now and where we're going next and how uh, specifically you're helping our profession advance in this next season of our uh, of our great profession. So uh, I'll throw it over to you, Bill. Take it away. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, my background is in um, media. Before I discovered chiropractic, I was uh, working as a creative director for advertising agencies in San Francisco and Seattle and Denver and wherever. And, you know, that's kind of the background that I had. And I was working uh, after my ad agency days uh, at a film production company here in Colorado Springs. And, you know, we did sales films and documentaries. Our biggest client back in the early 80s was the uh, Saudi Arabian Navy, of all of all things. And uh, we'd fly over there to do documentary films to, uh, documenting the creation of the Saudi Arabian Navy. I mean, that was our that was our gig. And about that time, two chiropractors moved in next door to our offices, our production offices there on the second floor of the Plaza Building. And they um, they were chiropractors. And you know, we'd heard stories about chiropractors, and so we ignored them <laughs> uh, until one day uh, we noticed they were carrying videotapes you know, in the hallway under their arms. And hey, we do video. What are you doing with video? And come to find out they were getting ready to to harness this newfangled invention called the VCR and harness it uh, for use in a chiropractic office for patient education. And would we like to help them create these videos? And uh, we were somewhat wary, uh, but they said, you know, if, if, uh, if you guys want to play, someone from your team needs to attend one of our Renaissance seminars. And so I got the short straw and uh, flew to Spokane, Washington, and we were in the Davenport Hotel in downtown uh, Spokane. And um, I attended a three-day seminar taught by Guy Reekman and Joseph Felicia that changed my life. Those three days kind of modeled after Est affirmed a lot of what I believed about the experience I had in my own body. Chiropractic made sense to me. I went back to Colorado Springs, said, hey, I, I think we need to help these guys create their videos. Nine months later, Peter Graves uh, showed up. I did some follow-up consulting with uh, Renaissance till about 1990, uh, then uh, hooked up with two chiropractors to form Backtalk Systems, sold that 10 years later, uh, and started uh, patient media. Uh, and that's what I've been doing in the printed uh, area. But uh, in the early 2000s, I knew that we were going to have to go digital. That's, 
The, the story I like to say, I like to tell is, uh, is about Willie Sutton, for whom the term Slick Willie uh, was, was coined. He was a bank robber uh, in about the 1920s. And uh, what made him so special was that he was a really well-dressed bank robber. And uh, he eluded capture for many years. He was finally caught and he was asked, so why are you robbing banks? And he said, that's where the money is. And, um, you know, the Internet is where new patients are these days, uh, because whatever you're going to buy, you're going to you're going to go visit a website or two or three or five or ten before you actually make a buying decision. So hooked up with a incredible uh, business partner in Perth, Australia in uh, 2005. And we uh, formed Perfect Patients. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. I love it. And you're a blast from the past. I mean, so many just awesome names that you threw out there. And Backtalk Systems was actually the first thing that I encountered. And then uh, the Perfect Patients or Patient Media was next for me that I encountered. The, the written materials, I still remember all of those things. And then, and then now perfect patience. So what an incredible uh, story. I have so many things I'd love to ask you about the past, but let's talk a little bit about the present. You, you brought up a really good point, you know, talking about slick Willie and you talked really about, um, you know, where things are at and you saw, let's call it 20 years ago. This is where things are going. We're going into the digital age. We're moving in the digital space. We, we need to have the written, you know, media that still has relevance, but we have to be able to meet people where they're at. Can you talk a little bit about specifically right now, here we are, it's 2022 and we're recording this podcast. It's the fourth quarter. We're coming to the end of 2022. We're moving into 2023. I don't know when you're going to listen to this podcast, whoever's listening right now, but we have clearly become, you know, we are in the technology day and age. So you saw that 20 years ago. So I'd love to how have you unpack for us specifically how you're helping doctors today, like right now in 2022, um, how are you helping doctors solve some problems? Like what problems would you say right now, if you look at our profession, do we have, and specifically what you are able to do to help solve that problem through the business or businesses that you have supporting chiropractic? Well, that's a, a two-hour mini seminar, which we won't be uh, <laughs> giving today, but um, just to focus it in on the, on the digital side of things, I, I think probably there's a lot of problems we solve, but the first is a practitioner today must have a website. And believe it or not, there are still chiropractors who think they're going to be able to slip into retirement without having to learn email or get a website or, you know, any of these other things, which are quite learnable skills, but gosh, it's too much work. I don't want to do it. And we end up projecting our use of the internet onto prospective patients. And that's a huge mistake, common error that, that many practitioners use. Because I wouldn't use a website to find a, a doctor. Well, of course not. But, you know, your patients do. And so... The first right answer is you need a website. The second right answer is you need a high converting website. And it's a distinction that we uncovered uh, through a huge mistake we made, uh, which I'm happy to share with you. But uh, we, we discovered that it's not just having a website. It's about how do you inspire a visitor to complete the switch of actually becoming a patient. How do you turn a visitor into a reception room new patient? Mm. That's probably um, the, the, the real nitty gritty of the problem that we'd like to solve. And every, every practitioner, every practice has a slightly different 
uh, problem with when it comes to that. And um, at one end of the spectrum, you've got the chiropractor who um, has vowed to show up beige. That is, I'm not going to have any sharp corners, sharp edges. I want to be el blando because I don't want to offend anyone because they think that's how you attract more people. And of course, uh, the only way you attract, as you would certainly know, would be you have to polarize. Uh, you have to uh, uh, you have to polarize, and and you can't polarize if you're beige. So. I think one of the, the 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 key problems that we solve is that we are pretty darn good at being able to capture the spirit, the soul, the the gut of a practitioner, and turn that into um, a marketing tool that a patient says, "That's my that's 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 the chiropractor I want to go to," mm. and that's called conversion. Okay. Mm. Uh, because you can have a website, uh, you can have it optimized for your name. And so when someone's looking for you, you can be found, but uh, there's far, far more uh, to it because oftentimes if you're on certain searches, you're going to click on the top return, right? You want to know the distance between Denver and Dayton, click on the top answer. If you're looking for someone who's going to touch you, Look at the first return, the second return, the third. Re I mean, it's a personal relationship. So I think that it's really crucial that you entrust your online reputation because you have two of them. You have your reputation with your, your patients um, and you've got a reputation with Google. Yeah, And it's really important that the reputation with Google uh, properly depicts the types of patients you love seeing and to connect um, with authenticity, with transparency, uh, so that people feel like this is this is this is my chiropractor right here. Yeah, I mean, you hit on so many things there. Uh, you actually answered multiple questions that I had. And so you're 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 hitting the nail on the so head. We're, we we're, th we're, we're through. We're we're almost through. Uh, I'm gonna ask for a couple more minutes, but I think our our listeners are are thoroughly enjoying uh, listening to you because you're you're you're, you're nailing it. So you know, in the, in the remarkable practice and, you know, we teach the, the domains are, you know, attraction. So you, you bring a seeker, you know, there's a seeker who's looking, searching and, and they find you, right? So then they come in as a seeker, but our first job is to turn them into a believer. And you talked about a website that represents the doctor well, authentically, genuinely, that converts. In other words, they take the next step, the actual they didn't just come by and check you out. They actually took the next step. Like you said, I liked how you you said a, a waiting room, new patient or reception room, new patient specifically. That That is so important because, you know, a lot of times we have what I call vanity stats, right? So these vanity metrics that it's like, okay, but what what's really going on in your practice? Like, tell me about, I want, I want, I have some deeper questions, you know? So I love that you went there because I think, we can almost become infatuated with ourselves or with this, this appearance, but I'm like, but does the appearance convert, <laughs> you know, uh, is it actually producing the outcome that you have a website to do? Like the reason why you have a website is for one purpose. In my opinion, as you said, it's to get people to discover you and take the next step, which means coming into your office. So I love that you went there right away. Cause that, that was the second question, which how do you help our doctors help more people? That's how you help more people is they actually come see you. They come into your office, which is massive. So this is a big, and it's, and it's a problem that absolutely must be solved. 
and to stay relevant in in this day and age you nailed it listen you have to stand out you have to set yourself apart people have to recognize or notice you we call it like disruptive or whatever but you've got to be able to do that so can you talk a little bit about uh, just kind of going deeper into this concept with the CEOs, we talk about leverage a lot in our program, in our Remarkable CEO program. We talk about using leverage. We say you, three things you leverage. You, le- you leverage people, you leverage uh, technology and systems. And so those three things, is, oh, we always home in on that with our Remarkable CEOs in our program as they're scaling their businesses and they're helping reach more people, but not all dependent upon them. So can you talk about leverage, leveraging what you're doing specifically and how the return on the investment is also, you know, going to be influenced there with the limited resources of, you know, time, energy, focus, and money. Like how do we use leverage, leveraging technology, leveraging the people and leveraging the systems that you guys have? Can you share with us how, how that, you know, doctors do that? Gosh. Uh, well, I think the systems and technology are, are the most likely candidates for how, how a website can, can plug into a practice. And, it really starts uh, with something very, very difficult to do, which is to see it from the patient's point of view. Hmm. And uh, all too often, uh, chiropractors will, and not just chiropractors, but many people who do websites will, uh, they use it as a form of actualization and to uh, uh, you know, use their artistic efforts to create a website that they would love. Hmm. And of course the website isn't for you. Gosh, we had this. I remember this one uh, practitioner. We were going back and forth about the right shade of blue. I mean, give me a break. It's the, the blue. That's not the problem. You need to form an emotional connection with your visitor, and the blue has little to nothing to do with it. So he was trying to actualize, and you know, it, it didn't end well. But um, I, I think it has to do with how technology can do a lot to uh, short uh, circuit how much energy. There was a chiropractor client of ours, uh, it was a long time ago, but he he said, the patients who show up after visiting my website say they, fe- they show up more like a referral patient shows up than a stranger. Hmm. And I thought that was really fascinating because you know, uh, when, when there's a referral patient, someone else is vouching for you and there's kind of a, it's, it's, a, it's a fast track. You know? It saves time when it comes to uh, bringing a, a new patient on board. So I, I think that's one thing that a well uh, a well done uh, website can do. The other thing too, I think, is that, and I don't think uh, chiropractors use utilize this as much as they could. But gosh, if I were in practice, I would want, you know, I would record all of the questions I was ever asked. I would ask my team record every question that a patient asks, and. Some of those questions need to be turned into a, you know, a major blog post. So you don't have to keep doing the same repetitious explanation over and over again. You reach in for your, you know, why heat or ice, you know, uh, uh, hot or cold, and you give them this card and they go on and they read the whole thing and they've got the directions and, and it's, it's done once and then you don't have to do it again. So I think systematization, uh, crucial. I think uh, leveraging technology, um, really important in terms of attracting a quality new patient, someone who, who wants to be part of your tribe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 
And I know we didn't get into this, but content, you're alluding to content right now as well. And I know that's a big part of, you know, what you, your organization is about is content, content that's, you know, relevant and will help, like you said, answer a lot of the questions people have, which actually builds your authority, your trustworthiness, the attractive factor, all of those things. So I know there's a lot more we could dig into, but we do need to uh, wrap this, but I would, I do want you to be able to share with our uh, audience how to get in contact with you. So, you know, Bill and his company, Perfect Patients, they are a success partner. What does that mean? That means that they specifically are aligned with the Remarkable Practice because we share values. We share a common mission and and we are on a mission together and we believe that you know, we are better together. So that's why we work with Perfect Patients. So I'm confident in referring to you. So we would love for our docs to be able to reach out to you, connect with you or someone from your team. What's the best way for them to do that, uh, Bill? A couple of ways, of course. Um, and let's use the internet. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the Perfect Patients website um, is, is a place to kind of check us out and, and see what, what our vibe um, is all about. And, um, and, and then uh, certainly you can email me directly. It's a pretty complicated uh, email address. It's uh, Bill at uh, perfectpatients.com. Uh, so uh, try to be uh, in, incredibly uh, accessible and uh, would love to continue this conversation uh, wherever it goes. And, uh, you know, the, the folks uh, that support uh, me so well at Perfect Patients have uh, developed a, uh, a place for your uh, folks uh, to show up called perfectpatients.com slash remarkable. And uh, that's where they can... Uh, you know, one of the things you could, anyone listening to this should should go there and ask for a website audit. I mean, mm. you're going to have someone who's looked at not hundreds, but thousands of chiropractic websites, and they'll walk through no obligation, no high pressure and say, you know, here's something that you might want to consider. You might want to upgrade this. You might want to change this. You might want to get away from stock photos, blah, 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 blah. And it's, and they're all practical action steps. And it's just a way of, of providing and, and giving back to the profession. So uh, you can arrange that at perfectpatients.com slash remarkable. So that's probably the, the easy way. It's great. One of the things we always love to do at the end of every one of our meetings is take one goal and set one goal and take one action step. I think that's a great goal and action step for everybody listening here. So please follow uh, Bill's advice and, and take him up on his, his offer and, and, uh, and do that. I, I highly encourage all of you to do that. Even if you just recently built a website three months ago, it's, it's yeah. uh, uh, no matter where you're at in the journey, uh, that's an absolute step to do. So, um, and that's one of the remarkable uh, attributes of remarkable CEO. We taught, we call it the assess. You always are assessing so that you can plan, prepare, and execute even better. So it's really important to do those audits of your business, including your website. So Bill, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for being a remarkable success partner. Thank you for joining me today on this podcast. For all of you who are listening, I love and appreciate you. Thank you for being a part of this uh, program. And uh, remember to tune in next week for the next episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Until then, God bless you all and have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.